0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. I love good stories. I love good stories. I love good movies, plots, plot twists. Um, I just love a good movie. I don't know if, if, if you're the same. I feel like most people, that's why certain movies sell really well or make lots of money is because they got a great storyline, and uh, it's, it's easy to keep up with, and you're kind of on the edge of your seat um, for those movies, or maybe you like reading more, and there's a book that you're reading and, or that you've read in the past that like you could read it again because it's such a good book, and it just kind of pulls you back in. Uh, I can think of some plot twists, and this will prove that I'm a dad of young children, um, but one of the craziest movie twists that I can remember, as I was studying and thinking, like, what's a good movie with a plot twist? Like, I can't use, you know, any movies that might be, <coughs> you know, uh, inappropriate to have good twists. But I, I thought of this movie. Some of you, you may not even, you may not watch kids' movies at all. That's fine. You may not keep kids' movies out of the house. But I can't help but think of <laughs> this movie. I remember watching this. I was in Jackson, Michigan. We were youth past- My wife and I were youth pastors in Michigan. Our kids were very little. Frozen came out you know, on DVD finally, and we got it, you know, and I think that was before Disney Plus and things like that, so we bought the DVD, we popped it in, we're sitting there, Joel I believe was there with us, I think you, Joel was actually there with us, I believe, sitting on our couch in Jackson, visiting from college in Indiana, and uh, we're like, this is going to be great, and the music was fun, and this guy shows up, okay, how many have seen Frozen? How many have not seen Frozen? I'm going to spoil it, okay, so if you're really going to watch, you're going block your ears, okay, this guy is awesome when he comes on the scene, comes on, his name is Prince Hans of the Southern Isles, and uh, this girl right here is Princess Anna, one of the main characters of Frozen, and and they start like kind of like flirting and dating, and it's cute, and they sing this great song together, um, "Love Is an Open Door." I mean, you put it on Spotify and you drive home, you'll love it. It's great. I go to I'm like, this is such a fun movie. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So the movie goes by. Her sister, you know, is Ice Queen and Frozen and everything. That's why it's called Frozen. And all this bad stuff happens, and this guy's supposed to be like saving the day and then the only way to break this curse of winter you know because look it looks nice and green winter comes because queen elsa freezes the whole town all this all this funny so I'm, I'm really just kind of spitballing and throwing this all together quickly bottom line is this the only thing to break the curse of winter is true love's kiss right like every other movie in, in disney so you're like this is the guy like this is gonna be the guy like you know, they sing a whole song together about love. I mean, this is going to be the guy. So he shows up. He saves her. She's almost frozen to death. She's by the fire, back in the palace. She's like, oh, Elsa's, you know, this. We need, The only thing to break the curse is true love's kiss. So Prince Han is like, oh, okay. So he leans in. And you're like, this is it. This is going to be it. And I'm kind of like, I'm not watching it being like, this is kind of an odd ending. And he leans in and he says, oh, Anna. And he has that face. He says, if only somebody really loved you. And he's like the villain the whole time. And I'm going like, whoa, like, holy cow, like, this is insane. And then, you know, say today, it tries to kill her. It's wild, man. I mean, it's a plot twist that cut me, like, right on the edge. Like, oh, my goodness, I did not see that coming. Amazing. Um, I don't know about if there's anything out of the movies. I, I love the show 24. Anybody watch 24, Jack Bauer? Man, you people are missing out. Great show. It's one of those shows that at the end of every episode, it's a cliffhanger. Every episode. I can't tell you how many times I stood up to my feet and shouted at certain parts, or I jumped over the couch. I remember one time I was so, something you know, of this, the, the president was behind this, Terrorist attack, and I jumped behind the couch like no way! Like I was so like wild about it. They like, every episode; they really write it well to where like every episode is just like ah oh, no way! I can't believe I can't believe that guy died. If if you like a character in the th- first three episodes, you know by like episode nine he's probably gonna be dead. You know that's just the way the show is. It's just one of those you know shows with all that stuff. But good stories, you know. You you have your own style that you like, where you know you love this type of show, and it it just. Keeps on the edge of your seat, and movies where you're just like, no way, I can't believe that. Personally for me, I, I remember a time where it was kind of a little plot twist in my life, and uh, this is a fun thing, but I was, uh, my wife and I went to a concert when we were, um, I think we might have been, I can't remember if we were engaged or just dating or, I'm not sure, but we went to go see a group called the Gather Vocal Band. They're just this famous southern gospel group. This was probably, oh my goodness, t- 10, 12 years ago. And, uh, you know, there's a couple thousand people there in this big civic center, and we had seats way in the back, and we're like, this will be fine. And we're excited, because I liked the music then, and, and I enjoyed it, and it was fun. And some random guy with, like, a badge came up to me and was like, hey, where are you guys sitting? Do you need help on your seat? We're like, oh, we're, we're right way in this back row, like, you know, you can see the people, like, really far away. He said, well, listen, do you guys want front row seats? And I'm like, well, like, what's the catch, bro? Like, I'm broke, you know, you got to realize that, you know. I thought, you know, I thought I would be, bro- I'm, I was way broke then, and I'm like, I, you know, what's the catch? He goes, no, 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 there's gonna be cameras like all over like the, the stage, but then also in the front row, we want people that are gonna be excited, because I'm just gonna let you know, the Gay The Vocal Band, their main audience is like 70 years old, so like we were like the young people there, like, so they're like, they're like, we need some life on the front row, you know, so I'm like, yeah, so me and Marissa are front <coughs> and center for the Gay The Vocal Band, again, you probably never heard of them, that's fine, but they were really big when we were growing up, and in our circles, and it was like a huge deal. Like these were like famous Christian singers, and we're like super pumped. One of them was one of Marissa's favorite singers when she was a teenager, David Phelps, is his name. Wonderful voice, incredible tenor voice. So they all come out, and me and Marissa sit in the front row, you know, kind of like where that, problem where that that front front pew, front row is, and they're like right here, big lights, shine lights, big speakers, blasting us out, and I'm like in awe, like seeing, this Bill Gaither, he wrote like a lot of the hymns that people sing, I mean, these, these were pretty well-known people that did a lot of good for the work of God, and it was just sounded great, I'm like, this is incredible, this is so exciting, and like David Phelps is singing, he's got his long curly hair, and he's just singing out, and he's looking at us, and then I, like, I look over at Marissa, and Marissa's just like in a daze, staring at David Phelps, and I'm like, looking at her, and looking at David, as he's looking at her, and I'm like, What's going on here, guys? Like, I'm right here, man. Come on. No, I was like, "This is fine. This is great. It was amazing. It was something we've never forgotten. Just something that happened out of nowhere. We weren't ready for it. It was awesome." John chapter nine, we see kind of, we see the story of a man whose life takes an immediate change. What we're going to do is, I'm going to read John chapter nine. I want you to listen. It's about the blind man who was given sight. I'll read. The scriptures are not on the screen. I have a, f- a few scriptures for the screen this morning, but they'll be for each observation we make from the passage. So I want you to listen. I want you to try to get yourself in the story. I want you to, to see what Jesus does in this passage. I'll read it. Um, you listen. We'll pray. We'll jump in the message. I promise we won't be long today. John chapter 9 says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And by the way, if you have your Bible, if you have a phone with the Bible, you can look this up, John chapter 9, and follow along if you'd like. If not, you can just listen. So his disciples say, why was this guy born blind? Was it his sin that caused him to be blind or his parents' sin? Verse 3, Jesus says this, and if you have a Bible with you, these are in red letters because these are the words of Jesus. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse six. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means "sent." So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud, spread over my eyes, and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath, that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. We talked about this in the past. When Jesus heals on the Sabbath, he's really trying to make these Pharisees upset and trying to break this old covenant. Verse number 15. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. The Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could see now. So they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. Verse 24, stay with me here, church. So for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? (laughs) Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man comes from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Verse 37, Jesus says, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? Verse 41, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it does for us. Speak to us this morning. Give me your grace. Give me your words. And help this message to be an encouragement and challenge to someone this morning. In the name of Jesus, I ask for all these things. Amen. A lot of verses we just read, I appreciate you tracking with me this morning and following along. We have a man born blind really, if you look in the passage, he doesn't ask for healing. The disciples see him, say, hey, this guy that's born blind, was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither. No, it was." so that the power of God can be seen in him. We see through the passage the man gets his healing. And the Pharisees come and question him. And they don't like Jesus. They want they think Jesus, Jesus is taking their crowd away. They're threatened by Jesus, although he's just loving people, caring about people, and trying to start this new covenant, this new promise that you don't need all these rules and regulations that you created, those Pharisees created. He said, no, this is, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you need. We see the guy who's parents, the, the, the blind man's parents who now can see, and back and forth and back and forth. They're not getting the answers they want. Finally, the guy just says, listen, all I know is this. I don't know who, all, anything about that guy. All I know is I was once blind and now I can see awesome story. We see in the end, he trusts Christ. I want to show you some observations this morning from John chapter 9 in regards to your story, your life. See, this blind guy had a story. He was the guy that everybody knew was blind from birth. He was just a poor blind beggar sitting on the side of the road begging for food, money, whatever. That's his story. That was his story for his whole life. Who knows how his childhood was? Who knows how he ended up as a beggar? We don't know. All we know about this guy was that he was blind, and he was a beggar, and he needed healing. That was his story. We see in John chapter 9... In verse 3, an observation about this man's story. When the disciples said, uh, why is he blind? Why was he born blind? Is it his sin? Did he do something wrong and he was punished with blindness? Or did his parents do something wrong and then their son was punished for their sin with blindness? Why why was he born blind? And Jesus says in John chapter 9 and verse 3, this is our first observation. He said it was not because of his sins and it wasn't because of his parents' sins. This happened. His blindness happened. He was born blind. Why? So the power of God could be seen in him. This first observation. By the way, every seat should have a note card in it. If you want to take notes, write these things down. I encourage you to take notes. It will help you remember the message. I'll tell you one thing. I don't remember what I preached last week. So I can't imagine anybody listening is going to remember either. But if you write some things down, you don't know how God can use those thoughts that you write down throughout your week, throughout your life. The word of God is powerful. I just want to let you know those are there. First observation this morning that we see from John chapter 9 and verse 3 is this. God is writing your story for his glory. God is writing your story for his glory. This man was born blind, grew up blind, was a beggar, and, and, and probably wasn't sure. Like, Why did this happen to me, God? What have I done wrong? And Jesus says, listen, the reason this happened is so that he could get the glory. I have no doubt. I bet one day when we get to heaven, we can find this blind man and say, all that life spent being blind. for To have Jesus heal you and save you on that day, was it worth it? And I have no doubt he would say, yes. Yes, he got to meet Jesus. The power of God was shown through this blind man, given sight. He is on the pages of eternal scripture Forever. The blind man's been talked about since it happened. What a story. God is writing your story for His glory. What happens in your life happens for a reason. The things in your life that happen out of your control where you wonder, God, why are you doing this to me? It's for His glory. I can speak for myself, for my wife, that when we found out almost six years ago that our son Seth had severe nonverbal autism and we sat in that room for the diagnosis, and and Watts, as the, 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 the therapist, tried to get him to perform simple tasks and say simple things, and he just really was just ignoring her and doing his own thing and killing those fruit snacks that she gave him, and he just wasn't, and I remember moments like that early on in our journey with autism and being like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I'm trying to... We're trying to reach young people. We were youth pastor. We're trying to help people. We're trying to raise our kids. You know what you do as a parent? You you have, you have vision for your children, don't you? See, I'm, my kids. I want my boys to grow up and be gentlemen and get married and have grandkids and I'll be a grand. I'm gonna be a great grandpa. And, I, and I'm, you, you just have vision and plans for their futures. When suddenly God just says, "Nope, that's not what you're gonna do. I'm gonna change some things up." And in those moments, you're like, "Yeah, but why?" Why? Why are you allowing this precious young child to have to struggle with communication and, and not be able to share his needs and, 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 and so often get so ups- would get so upset about, we didn't know what he needed and he wanted to tell us, but he couldn't? Like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? But you know what God was doing? God was writing our story so that he could get the glory. Because I'll tell you, and we can speak to this now, the opportunities that God has given Marissa and I to share hope with parents who just found out that their child has special needs or autism, and and they're scared like we were. We can sit with them and weep with them and cry with them and say, listen, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, but God's going to use his or her story like he's used Seth's story. I'll tell you, I bet you everybody that knows Seth, Seth has been an inspiration to you. He may have, he may have, have sit, sat in your lap once or twice, you know, all 80 pounds of him. He may have stolen your food, but by, at the bottom of it all, you know that Seth, you know what he is? He's an inspiration. He's a picture of the grace of, God. Have we enjoyed every moment of the journey of autism? No, not in the slightest. Has there been fear through, especially early in our journey? Yes, immense fear. Have we had to mourn the future that we had planned for him? Yes. Yes, because what we thought would be was no more. All of those things are true, but what's truer that God has gotten glory from this situation and is getting glory from this situation and will continue. Can I say this? This isn't in my notes. Just a few months ago, 70 people were in here in our church building with their special needs children uh, enjoying a Christmas party that they couldn't do at their schools or in other organizations, but they had a place to meet. Why do we have any connection at all with Bright Brightstaffs? Because my son needed ABA therapy. Precious Shy, she's not with us, she got a new job, she's figuring out hours. Shy came to church, got saved, got baptized, stood standing on the second second row, hands raised in worship. How do we even know Shy? Shy was Seth's first therapist through, ABA, through Bright Steps. So God is using this precious 10 year old boy that can't really speak. Seth has said more with his life without having a voice than most of us do with a voice. God is writing your story for his glory. The things that you face, the the junk that you have to go through in life out out of your control, the things that you've had to face, the trials and troubles and struggles and pain and heartache that you've had to live with. And you say, God, what are you doing? I don't get this. I try to serve you. I try to to love you with all my heart. I try to help others. And you've given me this? You're throwing this at me? Why? Because he wants to get the glory in your life. God is writing your story. This blind man was blind for his whole life. And it wasn't until this chapter this day in history when he finally his eyes were finally open and he saw the sun and he saw his mother and father's face for the first time in his life and he saw Jesus the one who healed him and he sees the flowers of the field and and, and all these different things and his eyes were open to begin to see the beauty all around him that he had missed for years and I'll tell you one thing church You open your eyes, you let Christ get get the glory in your life through your pain, through your heartache, through your anxiety, through your depression, through your tribulations and troubles and trials, and you let God get the glory, your eyes will be opened and you'll begin to see the miracles all around you and the grace of God in your life. God is writing your story for his glory. Another observation we see, Jesus is here, he says, um, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by the one who sent us. This isn't one of observations, but by the way, can I just throw this in here? Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. You have a job to do. If you're a child of God, a believer, your life includes has purpose. There's job for you to do. You have a, a, a duty to perform in your life as a believer. I, don't, I can't tell you what that is. I can pray and ask God for wisdom and come to you and say, hey, can you help out with this? And you're either going to say yes or no. But the bottom line is that the spirit of God, God has a purpose for your life. you've got to do it. But that's not the observation we see going on verse number 6. He comes to this blind man. and What does he do in verse 6? He spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes kind of gross. Kind of messy, right? Like, it's a beautiful miracle, but you're like, you could have just been like, hey, you can see now. You know, and the guy would see. But that's not what happened, is it? No, he he reaches down to the the dirt, the dust, by the way, that he created, spits in it, (laughs) makes mud, puts it over the guy's eyes, and then tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, this, this pool, and he has his sight. Here's our next observation. We see this, okay? Think about this. Just just picture it in your mind. Many of us should be like, eh. Especially nowadays, like someone spits in their hand, you're like, don't don't touch me. <laughs> like, mm. But this is what happened. Maybe the guy didn't see it coming. He, just, he was blind, obviously. He, couldn't, he spits in his ground, makes mud, puts it over the guy's eyes. Sometimes Here's the next observation. You can write this down and hear it. Sometimes the most beautiful parts of your story start off messy. Sometimes the most beautiful parts of your story start off a little messy, a little illogical, a little uh, kind of out in left field. Like, what's, God, what are you trying to do? Sure, I could use a comparison of that story with Seth in and, and our lives, and that was a really... Challenging, messy time for us. We didn't know what was going on, but, but I can think about so many instances in my life. Can I share this with you, church? We're a baby church. We're a new church. We just got in our building, my goodness, nine months ago or so, maybe a little bit longer now, last April. And every step of the way, because we are a work of God, um, God has blessed us and the enemy has attacked us. From the beginning, you got a whole year of COVID that slowed us down. We had permit issues back in the end of 2021 where we were meeting here quietly and then suddenly we had to go meet in the back porch and then in Calvary Chapel. And every step of the way we've had hurdles, haven't we? Always some kind of extra bill, extra need, things like that. We were hoping for $30,000 worth of renovations. It ended up being more like $50,000, $60,000 of renovations here. It looks beautiful. Still more to be done. But always hurdles. Now in our new building, we got our permits, we're going, we're pushing, we're pushing, and again, you got to get stuff, you got to buy things, you got to do this, and I'll tell you this, church, through this last season with these colder temperatures, with these heating bills, it's, it's been a tight few months for our church financially. It's, 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 been a, it's been a few months of, I hope the offering's really good today, because we got to pay rent, like we got to do rent, we have a great landlord, um, that is usually very understanding with us, but I'm like, we gotta, I, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna pay rent late. Well, throughout the last two months, from December, one of our rent checks got lost in the mail. We had to send another one. She got it, deposited, fine. Then the one that got lost in the mail got to her early January when we were getting ready to take, you know, kind of get our last offering deposit. She, she got the old one thought it was the new one, deposited it before we had the funds there. And I'm telling you, it was just really frustrating, stressful circumstance as your pastor. Like, my goodness, like, and I called her, she said, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, the deed's already been done. Like, there's not much I can do now. And, And we just were, honestly, church, then we get, you know, national grid. At the end of the year, they give you that final balance, like of your year. It was this huge heat bill, and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord! Like we just gotta, we just gotta catch up. Like we had our open house Sunday, then we had our Christmas Eve thing. We, we're just trying to do stuff. We're serving you, God. Like, oh. By the way, I'm not saying this to so you. Like, oh, I need to give more. I'm not saying that. You gotta do what God wants you to do. All I'm just saying is, it was just tight. It was stressful. So I had a, an invitation to go out to this church planner's conference. Um, there's this church conference in Dallas this past week w- months ago I was invited I was vetted someone sponsored me and, and put my name out there I didn't even know about it and I got accepted me and nine other church planters Joel got to go out with me last Sunday after church after Vision Sunday we got in a plane flew to Dallas looking forward to some really nice warm Dallas weather and there was a three-day ice storm where everything shut down no one drove anywhere and I was the only person in the state of Texas that could drive I think, for, the, for last week. It was miserable. But we're there. And I was there and presented our work. And I went on faith. Because I had to pay for plane tickets, uh, uh, some plane tickets, and I had to pay for rental car and hotel. And I, and, and I said, well, we've got to get out there, um, and we're going to bring some money home. I knew we were going to bring something home. I'm like, this is, this is, God's going to do this. So we're going out. I, I, there's going to be lots of, probably a thousand people there. And we're going to go out and just trust the Lord. Um, on faith, because we're called to walk by faith, and uh, we'll bring back some money, we'll get caught up. God's going to do it, I believe it. We pay for all that, get out there, do the, the church planner's luncheon, finish it up. That night, um, one of the head guys that's in charge of the conference says, hey, great job today, fantastic job, blah, blah, blah. He says, "Hey, um, we're not going to be able to send you, you know, kind of the offering because they did a big offering for us and people donated online. We didn't know how much it was. We still don't know how much it was." He said, "We're going to, um, we're going to get that check out to you in a few weeks. We just want to give people enough time to, to give late." And I'm thinking, like, we are to need to like go home with something. And I just was like, "Okay, thanks, you know." And and then I, I sat down. I'm like, "I got to talk to that guy because I expected, you know, you go, you do it, and then you bring you bring a love offering home, a check home, and." So I said I talked to him the next day. I said, hey, do you have a minute? And we sat down. Great guy. Helps churches all over. He's a pa- he passed, started a church in Las Vegas about 10 years ago, and God has just exploded it. And they just, they're just a, a wonderful place. And uh, I said, hey, am I taking anything home at all for the church? He's like, "Why? Wow, what's going on? I'm like, well, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy. He's like, no, you're not that guy. He's like, I was that guy. I get it. What's going on? I said, well, I had to pay to get out here. I got to get January's rent in. It's just, it's been a crazy few months. We had a huge heap. I said, I I just, I expected to bring home something that I could get caught up with. And he's like, well, let's go talk to the other guy, the other moderator guy. So we went, found the other guy, and I'm I'm kind of feeling like an idiot. I'm like, I don't want to be this guy, like, and like, you look around this beautiful campus at the church we were at, and you're like, you know, they got a movie theater for their kids program. I'm like, you know, if you're not careful, like, it must be nice. Yeah, it must be nice. You know? And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm great. God brought us here. This is going to be fine. This going to be great. So I'm like, going. I talked to the pastor, and he, 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 said, well, he said, What's going on? I said, Well, I, I, he said it was going to be a few weeks before they sent a checkout. And I, I, I kind of need to go back with something at least. Even if it's just part of the offering that's already come in, I just have to bring something back. Like, and, the, and the other pastor, Josh, was like, Man, he came out on faith. He came out on faith. So what can we do? So this pastor, his name's Jeremy. Pastor's in Toledo. He said, well, here's what we're going to do. He said, we will get a check sent out tomorrow um, for $6,000 for January and February's rent. I'm thinking, okay, like, that'll obviously take a lot out of our offering, but that's fine. Like, that's kind of what it's going to be there for. We'll get caught up, and and I know that once we get caught up, our church, we can get those bills in. He goes, but that's not, he said, we're going to send you out a check for $6,000 tomorrow, first thing. This was Tuesday night, so Wednesday morning. He said, but that's not going to be from the offering that was taken for you. He said, that's going to be from my church personally. And I'm like, whoa. He's like, I'm going to say, yeah, so we're going to get that 6,000 cent out. Um, it won't touch the money that you've already raised at the luncheon. He said, it'll be completely separate, and it'll be from us. And I was just, I immediately broke down, like, wow. Like, then the other guy there, the, the, you know, the other pastor was like, I'm going to get my financial guy, see we can do. He runs off, finds his financial guy, and I'm standing there, like, feeling, like, just overwhelmed with just Grace. I'm like, God, thank you. I and mean, I've been praying consistently throughout the weeks and days. Like, Lord, you've got to do something here. You've got to give us something because we're just not going to make it. The guy says, well, what do you have for money here? Like for food and stuff. I was like, well, I got, I got personal funds. He goes, he takes out $200 bills and says, no, 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 I want you to use this for the next few days while you're here. I'm just telling you. Then the other guy comes back and says, hey, here's what we're going to do. Our We're going to give you $600 from our church and wire it to you right now. Guess how much our final national grid bill was for 2022 that came out last week? $600. They didn't know that. My heat bill this past month at my house at our rent- rental last month was $750. And I'm like, that's a lot. Like, that's craziness. We're going to figure it out, God. And I'm saying, Lord, you got to provide. Another pastor comes up to me the next day and says, hey, uh, we decided as a church we're going to wire this morning over to you. We're going to send you $750. I never told them how much my heat bill was. I never told on any of those things. So what I'm trying to show you, church, from like experience, this isn't just a story that I found online, this is my life, this is our church, this is your church, is that sometimes your story, the most beautiful parts of your story start off a little messy. We're a brand new church plant. We're not rolling in the dough. That's okay. We're trying any money we come in is paying bills and try to pour back into the community. I'm not taking a paycheck right now. I don't want one. I want us to grow. I want us to pay our bills. I want us to help people. And in doing that sometimes, church, through the busyness of the holiday season, guess what? We got a little tight. Things were a little stressful. We didn't have money to do what we needed to do. So guess what we had to do? We had to seek God. We say, God, this is pretty messy right now. This is kind of uh, not really making sense. We're doing our best. We're preaching on giving. We're encouraging people to give. I know every single one of us here in the room, uh, none of us are rolling in the dough. We're trying to make ends meet in our homes, in our places, in our bills. And guess what God did? God gave us one of the most beautiful parts of our story of our church. And guess what? It started off a little messy. And in your life, in your life, Maybe right now things are a little messy and they're not really making sense and they're kind of, you know, stressing you out. And you're like, God, I'm just trying to, like, serve you and love you and, and, and just, you know, help people. And this whole thing is a mess. Like, I'm your child, right? You're my dad. You're my father. I feel like I'm not being really taken care of really well right now. And God is getting ready to show you something Beautiful. Many of us can look back on some of the darkest moments of our life and say, that was terrible going through it, but what God was getting ready to do in my life. Oh, you never, would have, you, you never would have seen it coming. Those dark moments, those painful moments in our lives, in our past. Maybe you're going through that moment right now. You'll be able to look back one day and say, oh my, God was getting ready to write one of the most beautiful parts of my story, and it started off a little messy, just like this guy. Before he got his sight, he had spit and mud rubbed all over his face, over his eyes, but then the miracle came. Then the miracle came. Last observation this morning, John 9. In verse 8, this is after he got his sight. He went and washed in the pool of Siloam. He got his sight, and he's back around his neighbors and friends and people who knew him as a blind beggar. And what does the scripture say? His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar, asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went, and I washed And now I can see. The last observation this morning, and this is for you this morning, it's for me too, it's for us, is your story is about to change. Your story is about to change. All of us here, I bet, I have no doubt in my mind, all of us here are waiting for some kind of breakthrough. Maybe it's in a relationship, Maybe it's in a health difficulty, maybe it's financially, maybe it's with housing. We're all waiting for breakthroughs. We're all waiting for for the for the for the other shoe to fall, you know, for, for the for the page to turn, like Lord, I'm, I'm at the end of this page, I'm at the end of my rope, and I need a breakthrough. I need something to happen. But when I went to Dallas last month, Sunday night, I needed something to happen. I need something to happen. Uh, I needed God to to do some kind of work in our lives and in our church. And guess what? I can't tell you the the gist of it and the the full of it right now and hopefully in the coming days I will, but God is up to something right now in our church, in our lives. Good things, miraculous things. Your story is about to change. Breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough is coming. And the people in your life, they need to see it happen. All of his neighbors and friends were like, Isn't that the guy who used to sit and like was was a beggar and was blind? Like that can't be the same guy. He's like, No, it's me. Yeah, it is me like, No, I just look like him. No, it's me, guys. I am the one that sat there, beggar blind from birth with nothing to give and really nothing given to me in return. But I'm a changed man. Breakthrough came for me. I can see. There's a miracle in my life. My life is changed forever. Why? Because a man named Jesus gave me sight. And I'm telling you, church, if you can just hold on a little bit longer, if you can just hold on a little bit longer, breakthrough's coming. And not only are you going to experience miracles in your life and breakthroughs in your life, but the people around you are going to see it. And and what should happen, church, is when God gives us that breakthrough, when God gives us that miracle, when God does that change in our life and performs these miraculous things in our lives, it should change us. Your story is going to change and your story should change you. To where you're a different person. Your faith is increased. Uh, Your your love for Jesus Christ flows out even greater. So people around you say, hey, something's different about him. Something's different about her. That that can't be the same guy. That can't be the same girl. And you can say, no, it is me. It's me. I'm the same person. But I'm no longer riddled with anxiety. I'm no longer crushed by depression. I'm no longer stressed stressed out about my finances. No, I'm a changed person because God met me. Because God delivered me. Because he rescued me. Jesus has changed my life. I'm a follower of him. My life is his. He he performed miracles in my life. The people all around you are going to see that. Your story is about to change. I don't want to live a life constantly stressed out. I don't. I don't. And I'll tell you, me personally... I'm so guilty that often. You think that last week before I went to Dallas, I was like, "Well, you know, we're gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna find a house the next. You know, in the next few months before I went to rentals down. Church is gonna get the money it needs. We're just gonna have this miraculous. I was struggling with my faith. I said, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, you gotta help me because I said, Well, give me grace to have more faith," because I'm struggling right now. We're doing the best we can. We just had Vision Sunday. Like we're getting ready for Vision Sunday. We were all sick the week before. I'm like, oh huh. You just feel like you can't catch your breath sometimes. You feel you can't catch your breath. And it was like the Lord just said, just chill. Just wait. Just wait. Trust me. And I had to make the conscious choice by the grace of God alone because in my own strength, you know what I would have done? I would have been anxious, and stressed, and probably irritable, which I probably was still. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. But in those, some mo- in, in those moments, I said, okay, I'm going to try to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Please give me grace to trust you. And we went out. Me and Joel went out. We stood and talked to people and told them about the church and, and told them our needs. And, to, and, and that's all we could do, right? Just share and pray. And God is beginning, step by step, to meet those needs specifically in miraculous ways. I feel a breakthrough coming. I do I feel a breakthrough coming for you church those who are dealing with things I I feel it's coming I have faith that it will come so here's what we need to do church as we finish up here's what we need to do number one and this is just kind of application for the end we, we talked about observation from John 9 recognize the author of your story okay the end of this passage Jesus heard what happened after they questioned him the Pharisees questioned him He found a man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? He goes to this man who now has sight. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want want to believe in him. Because remember, remember this blind guy who now has sight told the Pharisees, told the religious leaders that were trying to accuse Jesus. He said, he must be a prophet at least. Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He says, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And Jesus says, well, you're talking to him right now. You've seen him. I love how he says seen, because now the guy can actually see. You've seen him. You're speaking. He's speaking with you. He's speaking to you right now. Jesus saying, "I'm the Son of Man. I'm the Messiah." And what does that guy do? He could say, "Well, I don't know." No. Yes, Lord, I believe. The man said. And what did he do? He worshipped Jesus. He worshipped Jesus. Recognize your author. Some of us have to stop trying to write our own stories. Put the pen down. Put the pen down and let God write your story. He's doing it anyway. Stop trying to pry the pen out of his hand and write your own story and let him lead and let him guide because he is the son of man. He is the Messiah. He is your rescuer. He is your deliverer. He will not fail you. Recognize your author and and say like this man said, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. It may not make sense now, but yes, Lord, I believe. We don't have a house uh, uh, in the running right now for our family in just a few months, but yes, Lord, I believe. We may not be rolling in the dough as a church, but, but yes, Lord, I believe you're going to grow us and bring us people and together as a team of believers we'll give and do what we need to do. Yes, Lord, I believe. And with that, faith, worship. Yes, Lord, I believe because you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of my faith. You are worthy of my worship, Lord. Even in the messiness of life. And that's the next application. Don't just recognize your author, he's writing your story, but embrace the messiness. Embrace it. It's okay. It's all right. Life gets messy. Life gets crazy. We get it. We all live it. We're all in this together. We all got situations. Embrace it. Say, well, it's just the way it is. You do what you can, yes, by the grace of God. Be disciplined and walk with the Lord and, and, do, and, and listen and be wise and ask God for grace and all those things. But the end of it all, the things out of your control that get messy, just embrace it. You know, your, your young, young parents, crazy kids, not sleeping a lot, embrace it. Embrace it because it's going to go by. I just sent Donald's at, at snow camp, teen camp this week. It's going to go right by. Embrace the messiness. It's all right. It's all right. It's part of it. And be willing to share your story. Just like this guy did. They said, This can't be the same guy. He said, No, it is me. And what did he do? He shared his story. He said, No. <laughs> he found me. He put mud on my eyes, sent me to the pool, and now I can see. He went to the Pharisees and said, I don't know who he is or what he is, but I know if I was buying now, I can see. Be willing to share your story, church. Be willing to share your story. We're getting ready to start small groups in March. We haven't figured all the details, but we're gonna be starting small groups in gathering around in a circle and talking about the growth uh, uh, from the Lord in our lives. Maybe going through the book of the Bible, we're not sure yet, but it's going to be believers together sharing our stories. Your story can change a life. Uh, I've seen the Lord use our story with Seth, with some things in our marriage, to help somebody else, to change somebody's life by the grace of God. So be willing to share your story don't close yourself off to the world. Your story is important. Your story means something. And your story, you have no clue the impact that your raw, unfiltered story of life and the grace of God in your life can change somebody's life, somebody else's life. Be willing to share your story, just like this guy in John chapter 9. Your story, church, you have one. God's writing it, He's writing it for His glory. Sometimes the most beautiful parts of that story are messy. We get it. And you are got to remember, you've got to have faith with like this guy. Your story's about to change. breakthrough's coming. Trust him. Worship him. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.